Tim Stout, Stout on Sports. We love him. Weekday mornings, 10 a.m. on the game, 7.30 a.m. in Lansing. Huge show tape delayed weeknights at 6 p.m. Spartan football back in action this weekend at Rutgers Izzo. And the Spartans have a team that could win it all. Uh, But Bill Self will be coaching uh, KU. Forget FBI investigations. Forget uh, illegal gifts to players. And Self gets off basically with nothing, Timmy. It's amazing. Well, what amazes me about that, Bill, that comes from the FBI of five or six years ago, mm. you know, and he he had been given, you know, a suspension by his own school, much the way Michigan did Jim Harbaugh. And you know, look, I, I don't know exactly what the best game plan is for a defense against investigations, but whatever, self missed a couple of games by Kansas and whatever, I, I guess that worked. I don't know if the FBI was restricted to just criminal issues or not. Um, whatever it had, it spilled to the NCAA. I, I've never thought that forfeiting games was a good way of measuring punishment because those behind you, I mean, what do you care moving forward? Plus, it, it's, it tilts the record books. It, for instance, Michigan State now has the longest consecutive streak of appearances in the NCAA tournament at 25, which in my opinion, and I've told him, for years, and he tends to agree with me, for Izzo is not the Final Fours and not the national title. To me, his great, in my opinion, his greatest achievement is 25 consecutive uh, NCAA tournament appearances. Kansas was ahead of that, but by forfeiting their games in 2017 and 18, I guess theoretically you can argue that they didn't make the tournament that year because it just disappeared. But, you know, Michigan State forfeited uh, all five wins and one of George Perlis's seasons and now their record books are so skewered because some think they should count something they shouldn't count so you get two versions of that how kansas is going to you know record that you're moving forward because it made the final four that year but nonetheless uh, to your point what the other coaches believe more likely is that yeah, what's the old line the the uh, the, um, the uh, punishment against kansas and what the violations were so bad cleveland state just went on three years probation his name is Tim Stoudstout on Sports and Lansing, joining us on the Roast Umber Coffee guest line. What's the latest you're hearing connected to the coaching search? And also, uh, when will this Mel Tucker story end? Well, the second one's easier to predict because I think it's going to go for a long time. And I think that's a house divided here. I think there are a number of, number of Michigan State people who absolutely were aghast when the $95 million deal uh, was you know, put together in the first place. And when it was discovered that those people believe that the contract was violated, they absolutely do not want to give him one more diamond. If it takes forever to make that work, then take forever. Then there's the other side who also believe we don't need any more negative publicity. We've got to get this in the rearview mirror, figure out a reasonable settlement just to get it done. I think there are two sides to that from all the Michigan State people, Bill. And without a president, a sitting president, for next year in place, that makes it a little more complicated as to what the game plan is going to be in that regard. I am convinced Tucker's going to pull out all the stops to get what he can. He's running up legal bills significantly on his own, obviously in the hope that he's going to be able to pay him with the money that he gets in a settlement and how hard and how far they're going to fight to try to force Michigan state into a corner and get them into a standing eight count and force a settlement. All of that remains to be seen. And I don't think that's going to end any time 
assume. In terms of the coach, there is a headhunter involved now. The headhunter is obviously around America, just trying to check out and uh, you know get an idea of who might be interested. And the names involved that you hear are the ones that anybody would reasonably come up with. The two young coaches in the West Coast and the Pac-12 schools, Elko and Duke. The, the wild card in this whole thing, because the donors are involved, is Urban Meyer. The donors would just assume pay Urban Meyer whatever it takes to come here. I, I still don't get a feeling that that's got credibility to it. I think he's been contacted. Uh, I think... I, you know, I think he, I, you know, I mean, I think there's been conversation, how formal, I, I doubt, because this is still, you know, they have more than half a season left to play. And I don't anticipate a, a coach being determined uh, before the regular season ends, possibly before, you know, the bowl season there. And I don't think Harlan Barnett, frankly, is formally part of the conversation. You know, they've lost three straight. They haven't looked good doing it. You know they're going to struggle with these three monsters coming up in Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. I I think it's just going to come down to finding out who uh, is available and interested in this job. And the moment those regular season ends at the other schools, pounce on two or three, depending on what the headhunter suggests to the Michigan State people. If Michigan and Michigan State were playing this weekend instead of next weekend, how would you feel about that matchup? I'd make Michigan a 24-and-a-half-point favorite, and I would bet Michigan. uh, And that's assuming that when they do meet next weekend, everybody, you know, is healthy. I don't see a Michigan State's ever going to score on them. And what I mean by that, Bill, is I mean score points in a competitive game. I mean, can they slop in three or six or 10 or 13? I mean, I guess that's possible. Nebraska slopped in a late one. Minnesota slopped in one. And I, I just don't see how Michigan State is ever going to score. Plus, Michigan is just going to be so doggone highly motivated. I get that it's a night game in East Lansing, but these are different times. And if if Rutgers beats them, and I'm not convinced at all Rutgers is going to win, I think State's got a better than a 50-50 chance to win in my own mind because I don't trust Rutgers as far as I can throw them. But if Michigan State loses that game, Bill, I would up the point spread in my own mind to four touchdowns or more. And part of that is because Michigan, I think, is getting better, and I think Michigan is going to be highly motivated, including the issues in the tunnel last year. Everybody says Michigan State's mad about that. Okay, maybe they are, but I think Michigan is too. And I don't think State matches up well with them at all. So I would make them, if the game was this Saturday, answer to what, because this came up this week, I said I would have to make Michigan a minimum of a 24-and-a-half point favorite. What about all this? um, Go go ahead, Timmy. What were you saying? I was going to say that, you know, they they clobbered Nebraska by 38. They beat Minnesota by 42. Can they beat Michigan State by 24? Seems to me they could. I agree with you, Hunter. I was thinking four touchdowns. One thing about the atmosphere with that remaining a night game, which was a mild surprise considering what Michigan State has done, but also Michigan has posted great numbers in their night game so far. The secondary tickets, uh, I'm hearing that a lot of Spartan fans are going to sell them. What if that place is 50-50 Michigan or even more? Uh, that, That would be such a horrible look for MSU if that's a maize and blue takeover. You got it. And it was like that at halftime of the Washington game. I, I tell you, Bill, I've been around here, you know, a long time. I've seen a lot of games at that place, but I have never seen, especially the students, because the students have attended 
Yeah, they never get there on time, but by five minutes to go in the first quarter, it's amazing to me how many students are in the stands. My guess is they will be there just because it's Michigan and it's at night. But let me tell you, it'll, be, it'll look like a fire alarm went off in a closed building. If that game is out of reach at halftime, they'll all be long gone. And Michigan fans have a tremendous uh, ability to get tickets into Spartan Stadium anyway. I've never seen nearly as many green fans in, in, uh, in Ann Arbor when they play there. But to your point, Yes, it could get, in my opinion, this came up on the show too, I think it could get very embarrassing. I think you could, that's if it's out of reach, okay? And out of reach to me is at least two touchdowns. If that's what it is and State has struggled to move the ball, there will be a mass exodus of those. It may be a little damp. I see the temperatures expected around 56, something like that at kickoff, so that doesn't seem to be much of an issue. And I think they'll all go over there and party like they always do before the game because that's kind of the festive part of it and all that. But, But if they lose to Rutgers, that just makes it that much more difficult. And you can tell these fans are deflated, Bill. They're very deflated. You know, this is not this. It, it's just been one piece of bad news in terms of football after another after another. I, I mean, you know, basketball and hockey could be something they look forward to as we get closer to the winter time. But I think to myself, we're not down to the final two or three games, and then the nightmares over. They got more than half the season to play. So there's a long way to go with this, and I can only imagine what the storylines are going to be moving forward, especially after that Michigan game. And remember, they got to go to Minnesota after that. Now, if you saw Minnesota play Michigan, you'd say, well, you know, they're not very good, and they're not. But that's a letdown game for State, whether they win or lose against Michigan the following week. And should these losses keep piling up, I just think you're going to see. You're 4-8. When you said 4-8 and at the beginning of the year, I didn't agree with that. But now that 4-8 and looks prophetic to me, not pathetic. It looks prophetic to me that that's the neighborhood of where they're headed uh, for these last seven games. You know, Tim, when you call me a prophet live on air, I won't sit here and disagree with you. I appreciate it, my man. One thing, though, when you hear P.J. Fleck say in his 11 years as a head coach, uh, best team he's ever seen, uh, when you're hearing other coaches say Michigan looks like an NFL team, uh, what Indiana's saying, uh, normally Big Ten coaches don't praise the other teams like that. They don't. Nope. They don't, but Flex under pressure, and I didn't buy what he said at all. What I thought his motive was, Bill, he's just trying to deflect the criticism he's getting for himself after they got pounded at home in prime time. We don't, we're not as bad, you know. Don't blame us as much. That's the greatest right. team I've ever seen. Now I think they all you know, look. When I look at Michigan, they, they well, their defense. It's, it starts to me. It's you know McCarthy gets all the credit, but I think their defense, Bill, is tough to deal with because you can't score on them. You're not. To get many, what they've given up one touchdown in every game, and a couple of those were garbage. The other thing that's incredible to me about Michigan, their starters are only playing two thirds of the game. I, know. I mean, they've had they've had ninety seven points in two Big Ten road games with their starters playing two thirds of the game because the backups are that good. I got it, Tim. I got to get to a network. To I love you, man. Great stuff today. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk soon. Good, good belly. No problem. Talk to you soon. Yeah, me and Tim can talk forever. Tim Stout joining us.